Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown, Horns247.com. Joined as always by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. And, uh, and Taylor, it, um, it is Monday, the beginning of spring football for the Texas Longhorns. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm uh, ready to, you know, start covering another spring football for Texas. But um, and today we're going to do a kind of position um, battles to watch for Texas and spring football, the top five that we think uh, Texas fans should be paying attention to in spring practice. But Chip, before we get into that, there was some news that you broke um, last week of uh, special assistant Gary Patterson saying that he's going to be stepping away from Texas football. You got an exclusive interview with Gary. So before we get into our position battles to watch, I think we should start there. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of Texas fans were like, oh, no, Um, and understandably so. I mean, I think. I think Gary Patterson, uh, with his uh, unbelievable defensive expertise, uh, having run the defense for 21 years as the head coach at TCU, some of the best defenses in the Big 12, won the Big 12 title in 2014, uh, won a, uh, had an undefeated season in Rose Bowl Championship in 2010 at TCU. And, and so when Texas got him as a special assistant, I think there was like excitement, especially coming off the year the defense had in 2021. And sure enough, the defense improved dramatically in, in 2022. And, and Gary Patterson helped with things like, you know, the in- install of the quarters match uh, defense in the secondary. Uh, he was the one uh, scouting opponents and and giving his notes to the Texas coaching staff on Sundays before the the game week preparation for the upcoming opponent um and he he did it the way that he used to do it as a head coach in fact he told me there were times he was putting in 105 hours a week and that's that's the kind of time he put in as a head coach i think he he realized after um you know a year of this uh, his wife was not coming down to Austin uh, because the house they rented didn't have a yard for their dogs or a fenced in yard for their dogs. I think he just 
you know, he, he lost the TCU job and he needed a place to land. And he mm-hmm. kind of, you know, Chris Del Conte set up the meeting between Steve Sarkeesian and, and Gary Patterson. And it was a good, it was a good fit. I think Gary needed a place to go. And, and now that he's had some time to catch his breath, I think he wants to spend some time with his, with his wife, Kelsey, who went to Texas and, and their kids and their grandkids. He wants to take Kelsey on a nice vacation but he did say, Taylor, that if he finds himself in August getting the itch uh, or he said, if I'm bored, maybe Steve, uh, maybe Sark would have me back. So he said it twice. So I'm not I'm not sure that it's uh, it's it's that remote of a possibility that maybe Gary Patterson returns uh, in August closer to the season. Um Maybe this is his way of putting a governor on himself from from working too hard in the in the quote unquote off season, but um, it's a it's a loss. And uh, Steve Sarkeesian will will finally get to talk to him um, later today. Uh, but it is um, you know that's a hole to fill. And to Pete Kwiatkowski's credit, and and to Gary Patterson's credit, Gary said. He has so much respect for Pete Kwiatkowski and Jeff Choate, uh, the co-defensive coordinator. He, he felt like they were, um, you know, strong enough in their, you know, own skin, their personalities to bring Gary Patterson in and and use him as a resource. And Pete Kwiatkowski said that at the Alamo Bowl. He said, I'm not dumb. I mean, this guy knows the league. He knows defense. I'm going to use him as a resource and they got along great and there was a lot of mutual respect and um, Gary Patterson said, I learned a lot from Steve Sarkeesian learned how to, you know, how to communicate with people, how he sets aside time uh, to talk to his players, parents um, to keep them informed on what's going on and maybe consult them to get some help. Uh, and also setting aside time to talk to recruits so that it doesn't just, you know, go all over the place. Um, Steve Sarkeesian using, you know, setting up appointments basically with with recruits to keep it from, you know, becoming uh, all consuming and overbearing. So uh, and there were a lot there was a lot more. I mean, Gary Patterson said, I learned as much as I contributed. And he said he wanted to learn from guys who'd been at Alabama and Washington and how they, how they recruit, how they handle practice, how they handle NIL. And so he feels like he did that and he, he wants to try to maybe help college football on a, on a bigger scale. We'll see uh, obviously college football going through a lot of transition with realignment, with the expanded football playoff coming up. So we'll, we'll see, but yeah, it's um, it's a, it's a loss. And, and so now we'll see what, um, you know, how everything moves on from here. And we still don't have the offensive special assistant from Steve Sarkeesian that's been posted for, uh, for quite a while now. Yeah. I thought it was interesting when, in your article, um, when he said that he really vibed with, uh, Kwiatkowski as a coach who built his reputation on doing more with less and he said, I think PK and I have that in common. Um, you know, that that shows a lot of re- or the respect that he does have for Pete Kwiatkowski. And also for a lot of the fans who I think, you know, were ready to 
get rid of PK after the first season uh, at Texas and the defensive staff and just like redo the whole thing. You know, Gary Patterson is arguably one of the better defensive minds in college football. He did a lot or, you know, a lot at TCU with nowhere near the amount of talent that places like Texas or Alabama or Texas A&M even um, have done because it's it's harder to recruit there. And so if you have questions about Pete Kwiatkowski, I think that's a very good quote there that one of the best defensive minds in college football recognizes that PK has done kind of the same thing that he has done. Now PK is at a position where they have more resources. You know, they have a very fertile recruiting ground in the state of Texas. They're doing a really good job at recruiting defensive players in the state of Texas. So as big of a loss as this is, I, that when I read that article, that's what really stood out to me was kind of like, okay, any fans that are questioning if PK can handle this, Gary Patterson basically just put his stamp of approval on him. Yeah. Yeah. And TCU has nine players at the combine and they were all recruited. Um, well, 90% of them were recruited by Gary Patterson. So right. a lot of the success that TCU had this past season was with the roster recruited by Gary Patterson. So um, the guy knows what he's doing and, and we'll see, we'll see what the future holds for Gary Patterson and if there could be a possible return to Austin. Yeah. I think it's hard for coaches to turn it off. Right. You know, I mean that it's their life for so many years um, and they put so much time. I mean, he's a special assistant saying that he worked over a hundred hours a week as a special assistant because he couldn't turn off that head coaching mode. Maybe, you know, he def his wife definitely deserves a nice vacation. <laughs> I would I would agree with that. Uh, I think that's something coaches, you know, people see what college coaches make and are like, oh, they're like said. And it's like, well, their wives are pretty much single moms if they have kids a lot of times <laughs> because they don't have a lot of time for family. So I'm glad he's going to take some time uh, and take his wife on vacation. But it wouldn't be surprising. Yeah. Like if he gets that itch, if you see him back again, I think, too. Yeah, and he mentioned an interesting story about R.C. Slocum, who battled uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, successfully, thank goodness. Uh, but he, he compared life to a roll of 100 pennies. And he was talking to Gary, and he, he said, how old are you? And Gary's like, oh, I'm 63. And he said, okay. So if we're lucky, we, we get 80 good years. Um, and... He said, you know, you got 17, you know, he put 17 pennies aside and said, here's, here's what, you know, hopefully you have left and, and spend those wisely. Mm -hmm. And I think that also hit home with Gary that, you know, how many attaboys do you need? What, what, what are you looking for? And, and so you're right. It's hard for coaches to turn it off. It is. And when they've, when it's what they've done their whole lives. And he also was very, very much about the players. Mm -hmm. And he kept stressing that he said he really was impressed with the character of the Texas roster that he bonded with several players, especially Jade Barron, um, who, you know, Gary's an old secondary coach. So he loves the the playmakers in the secondary and Jody Barron leading the team in tackles for loss. He had three tackles for loss against TCU. I think that's when we saw Gary on the television screen, waving Jody Barron up to, you know, sniff out a, a bubble screen, but um, he, he, he likes the roster and he, he said they have a chance to be successful 
in, uh, in 2023. So, um, and that, that leads us to spring football mm-hmm. Taylor. And I, I think before we get into the position battles, obviously, um, you know, one position we're not going to talk about as a position battle is quarterback. And that's because Quinn yours is the guy, um, right. until, until further notice. And if there is further notice, it either means that Malik Murphy or Arch Manning has, you know, taken some massive stride or that Quinn Ewers has taken a step back. Now that's not what we're hearing. What, what I've heard through the winter conditioning is that Quinn Ewers has been really sharp and has put in a lot of extra work. We know about the haircut, um, a <laughs> lot, lot of people reading into that as a sign of maturity uh, we, we had his high school coach on Riley Dodge from South Lake Carroll, who said he wanted Quinn to cut that hair all the while that he was at South Lake Carroll. Um, no luck. And so mullets sprouted up all over South Lake, but uh, the mullet's gone and the, the focus appears to be really sharp. And, and he's got a new group of receivers um, thanks to um you know, A.D. Mitchell coming in, John Tate Cook, the early enrollee freshman, uh, DeAndre Moore, early enrollee freshman, uh, and the return of Isaiah Nayer. Now Nayer is still recovering from the ACL um, surgery repair from last um, fall camp. But uh, there's a lot of excitement, and and Quinn Ewers is the guy. Yeah, he is. And and I think it's funny, I've, I've – um seen a, a number of like national headlines about, you know, quarterback battle in Austin this spring. And it's like, is there, I don't, I, I mean, I know, I know that gets clicks, but I think the reality of the situation is what you said, Quinn Ewers is the guy basically until he's not. And if, and there's, you know, as you've reported, as we've heard from our sources, there's no reason to think that he has taken any steps back. If anything, he's really, I feel like that year, his first year, you know, going through some of the ups and downs, the adversity, even maybe even that injury and coming back from it and thinking, you know, he had everything figured out and then kind of hit a little slump there in the mid season in October, you know, after that Oklahoma game, I think, um, you know, based off everything that we know about Quinn Ewers, there is no reason for me to think that he's just going to, you know, think he can skate on through and glide on by and still keep the job. I think he's, he's hungry. And I think that's a good thing. And, and if, you know, he does, well, it'll be interesting to see what Malik Murphy really um, is. Cause we haven't really had the opportunity to see it, but you know, with him being QB two this spring um, you know, if, if he's making strides, I'm, I'm going to be very intrigued to see how Quinn Ewers kind of accepts it, you know, um, embraces the competition because I think with the type of personality he has, I think it's only going to make him better. And I think he he's going to know that if if he feels it's close, he's got to step it up even more. And really, there's no reason to think that he wouldn't, you know, kind of answer that call. Yeah. And, you know, high praise for Malik Murphy, too. He's healthy. He's confident. He's ready. He wants to compete. And Texas needs that. They need him to push Quinn Ewers. Arch Manning, we know, is a... Uh, well, we reported in the insider that he's every bit as detailed as, uh, you would expect a Manning to be and has, um, you know, come in and already is treating uh, the position like a pro. So 
The quarterback room looks good for Texas as we start off spring football for the 2023 season. And, and then it's, uh, it's about how some of these other positions come together, you know, and especially on offense, the biggest question mark, because you have 10 of 11 starters back is at running back. And, um, you know, Bijan Robinson has been up at the NFL combine and, um, you know, getting glowing praise, same with Roshan Johnson. And, and it's going to be interesting this spring because Jonathan Brooks, as you reported, uh, had hernia surgery after the Alamo bowl and is going to be limited. And, you know, we don't know what his involvement this spring will be. That's part of the reason that Savion red moved from receiver to running back, but you've got early enrollee freshman CJ Baxter. You've got uh, Keelan Robinson. You've got Jaden blue who we still haven't really gotten a great look at. We thought we were going to see him in the Alamo bowl. Uh, and then we didn't. And, and so, you know, this is uh, we're going to learn stuff this spring at this position because um, with Jonathan Brooks limited and us not having really seen CJ Baxter, Savion red or Jaden blue. Uh, this is a real opportunity because we know that Steve Sarkeesian will play two and three running backs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the tape of the last two seasons. I mean, it wasn't just because of Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. It wasn't just last year, even, um, <clears throat> you know, they've done that. He Sark did a really good job, I think at rotating the running backs in, and that's a difficult thing. Cause you know, there's, it's not like a receiver where there's multiple that can be on the field that may have the chance to get the ball. You know, there's, there's one ball and there's, usually one running back back there. And so, um, yeah, this is going to be, I think, you know, the number one position, probably the only position battle to really watch on the offensive side of the ball, just with, you know, the offensive line. I think it's, well, I, I guess with, you know, Cole Hudson recovering from um, his surgery, but uh, yeah, the running back room, I think there's a lot of talent. It's obviously um, unproven talent at the college level at this point. We don't know, as Chip said, what Jonathan Brooks's availability is. We have not um, been able to be to a practice. We will be at a practice um, Monday morning. So that will be something that we can kind of gauge, you know, if what type of involvement he at least has at the start of spring. And when we talk to Sark, we'll get probably more answers there. But this is a prime opportunity for, you know, Jaden Blue, Keelan Robinson, and uh, Cedric Baxter to really just make a, a, a case for themselves, especially if Jonathan Brooks is limited. Because I would say, Chip, right now, entering the spring, I would probably think that the depth that or the depth chart at running back would be Jonathan Brooks and then probably Jaden Blue or Keelan Robinson, then Cedric Baxter. If Jonathan Brooks is limited, then that really opens the door for these guys to to maybe whether it's you know turn into RB1 or play the role that Roshan Johnson kind of played last season. Yeah. And, you know, we know, we know CJ Baxter, especially who's the number one running back in the country in the 2023 recruiting class, but how special, mm -hmm. I mean, Adrian Peterson came in as a, as a freshman at Oklahoma and ran for 1900 yards and finished second in the Heisman trophy voting. That's about as special as it gets Herschel <laughs> Walker you know, crazy freshman year at Georgia. Uh, is he that, uh, or, you know, is it going to be a more gradual 
breaking in kind of like Bijan Robinson under Tom Herman. Um, obviously Steve Sarkeesian has been around great running backs, uh, Reggie Bush, Lendell white, when he was the offensive coordinator at USC, uh, Najee Harris at Alabama. He, he knows, he knows what he's looking at and he knows what, what, how special uh, a player is or, or needs to be to play significant, um, reps as a, as a freshman. And, and so that'll be fun to watch too. And by all accounts, CJ Baxter has been, you know, deep in his iPad, learning this offense and is hungry and ready. So uh, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch this spring for sure. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think one of the things with, sorry, real quick. One of the things with young running backs is how much load can they actually carry? I think that's what, you know, I, I know that Texas fans hindsight's always 2020, but when B. John Robinson even had talked about his true freshman season at Texas, he didn't necessarily feel that he was, underutilized because he at that point had never really had to carry the ball. I think he said he never carried the ball 20 times in high school ever. Um, I think it usually was around 10 to 15 carries that he would get and he still had really impressive numbers, but there's a difference between carrying the ball 10 times and getting hit 10 times versus 20 times. And there's a big difference getting hit at high school versus getting hit in college. And so that's something that I think the the staff's going to be watching to see what type of stamina, what type of workload Cedric Baxter might be able to handle, especially if he is, you know, in line or equal with uh, some of the other running backs in the room. Yeah. And he can catch it. We, we did talk to his, his high school coach uh, there at Edgewater in Orlando, um, Cameron Duke and uh, coach Duke said that CJ Baxter had as good a hands as anyone on the team. And that, he he could line up at at a receiver spot. His hands were so good. So that's, that's good to hear. We know, Dijon, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We know that's a huge part of Steve Sarkeesian's uh, equation uh, in the offense. The running back has to be able to catch the football, and they usually catch the ball a lot. Usually, mm-hmm. you know, twenty five to thirty five times a season, sometimes more. But we'll see how uh, how that plays out. One of the other top players in the uh, 2023 recruiting class, Anthony Hill, uh, early enrollee sort of leads us into the, the competition going on at weak side linebacker to replace DeMarvian Overshone and, um, you know, David Benda and Maurice Mo Mo Blackwell are probably the, the leaders to start off the spring with, with the ones, uh, with Anthony Hill, uh, and Leonga Lafau. Um, Taylor, I'm hearing really good things about Leonga Lafau, the other true um, freshman, true uh, and early enrollee freshman uh, from Hawaii, who is just uh, a sponge and um, just a super, super smart, high football IQ player. And while both Anthony Hill and Leonga Lafau are probably inside linebackers, they will they were they will get a look at weak side linebacker because you have Jalen Ford back at middle linebacker. So this is going to be fun. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of guys trying to get reps at that position. Um, how, how hungry is David Benda? How hungry is Mo Blackwell? Uh, my, my gut is Mo Blackwell is the guy that they're, they're pushing. 
um, and they want David Benda to 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 show them that he uh, is more deserving than Mo Blackwell, and then they'll bring along Anthony Hill and Leonga Lafau to see uh, how much progress they can make in the spring. Yeah, and um, I mean David Benda, he's going to be a, a senior, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. Um, I think it's it's time for him. You know, it's kind of now or never. I mean, Mo Blackwell, at least on the 2022 roster, um, as of recording, Texas has not updated their roster, so I'm not sure if this will change. But they still have him even listed as a defensive back. So, you know, David Benda being going into a senior season at Texas, um, you know, he he's got to really step it up. But I think it's going to be. I'm really excited to see what Anthony Hill and Leonga Lafau look like too, you know, I mean, um, those were two really highly, you know, touted, obviously Anthony Hill, um, one of the top prospects in the country in the 2023 recruiting class, Leanga LaFau, um, you know, his dedication to wanting to be at Texas was something Steve Sarkeesian talked about in the early signing period that really blew him away. Um, it's not an easy, uh, trip from Hawaii to Texas. I I've made that trip before and it is a brutal, brutal, probably eight hour trip. <laughs> and, uh, but that's how much he wants to be at Texas. So he, you know, I, I like, it sounded like in when Steve Sarkeesian talked about him um, during the early signing period on um, in December, that he was really impressed with the dedication he has. He, he um, even in his like home community in uh, Hawaii would put on like a youth football camp, stuff like that. And that that's like a maturity beyond his years. And if that shows up on the field, that could be really huge for this week's side linebacker position. Yeah. Um, you know, when you, you stay on the defensive side, uh, another position battle that is going to be highly contested is going to be that field cornerback position. Uh, Deshaun Jameson is gone. You had Terrence Brooks step in and, and play well toward the end of the season. Austin Jordan got time. Uh, at that field corner position as well. Uh, Jalen Gilbo is still coming back from knee surgery and is going to be uh, out to limited in, in the spring. And he's probably being groomed more at that star nickel position where Jody Barron is playing. Um, but the guy to keep an eye on uh, is Gavin Holmes, the transfer from Wake Forest. I'm hearing he's just been lighting it up that he moves really, really well that he, you know, can flip his hips and change direction. And he has experience. I mean, he's got, uh, he played 28 games at Wake Forest, 14 starts. He had nine pass breakups last season. Um, Deshaun Elliott or sorry, Deshaun Jamison led <laughs> Texas with seven pass breakups last year. It gives you a little comparison there. And, and Gavin Holmes is, you know, he's a, he's a man. I mean, he's a, he's a junior. And, and so this is going to be, plus you have Malik Muhammad, the super talented early enrollee freshman who I also hear is, is a wow uh, in, in winter conditioning. So this is, you know, this is what you want. You want to have um, airplanes on the runway ready for takeoff. And this position is going to be, uh, a loaded competition. Yeah. And I feel like 
if you're a Texas fan and probably the Texas staff is probably hoping that Gavin Holmes can become what Ryan Watts was coming in as a transfer last season. Uh, Gavin Holmes, I believe, is much more of a seasoned veteran, though, uh, at the college level than what Ryan Watts was. But obviously, Ryan Watts played a huge role for the secondary. And, you know, the thing with cornerbacks, you know, hearing about, you know, their hips and being able to quickly change direction. I mean, you that's that's something a lot of times is it's not as easy for true freshmen to do. You know, they they really do need more of the training, more of the hands-on coaching, more time in a in a strength and conditioning program at the college level. So Gavin Holmes, I feel like when when he and or you know they announced his transfer to Texas, I almost feel like not that it went under the radar, but it may not have gotten the attention it maybe probably deserved, I think, at the time. And so, um, you know, this is a guy, as you know, Chip has said, he's hungry. He's he knows what he's doing. He's a older. He's a more of a man. You know, he's he's a, been at the college level for a number of years now. So um, I'm very intrigued. I think he's pretty quick, too, um, which is really crucial, especially in the Big 12, going up against some of these receivers in such an offensive, you know, um, talented type of league. So and a lot of speed in this league, too. So it's going to be really interesting to watch him and see kind of if he does play a similar role to what Ryan Watts was last season coming in. Yeah. And they showed last year that they're willing to rotate guys. Uh, yeah. And, and so if a Terrence Brooks or if a Austin Jordan or a Xavion Bryce um, really steps up and, and challenges, they'll, they'll play both. And mm -hmm. this spring will be a great opportunity for those for those young players for and for those second year players like Terrence Brooks, Austin Jordan, Xavion Bryce to, um, you know, to show what they've got and, and know that um, this, this will be Ryan Watts. I'm not sure what his COVID situation is. It'll be a senior year coming up, but um, you know, that's, you need to be loaded at that position because you're going to play with uh, four and five defensive backs. And we know that, um, this, this defensive coaching staff will cross train and make sure that not only corners can play both the field and the boundary side of the field, but that they can play the star, um, that they can play, you know, even safety. And, and so, um, you know, I had one source say, keep an eye on Austin Jordan as a possible star, um, nickel corner or safety. So, um, there could be some evolution uh, it, during the spring as to who fits where, and and uh, and we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that as well. Um, Taylor, as we move up the uh, you know to the defensive line, the buck end, which is where Ovia Gofu was lined up last year before he transferred to LSU to be with his old buddy Brian Kelly from their days together at Notre Dame. Um, you know, this is another wild, um, you know, competition because of the, the number of players who can play that buck end. And we've talked about Justice Finkley. We've talked about, um, you know, Jamon Tapp, Jare Bledsoe, Colton Vosick, uh, Ethan Burke, but I've got a name to keep an eye on who might be starting off uh, with the ones as spring gets going. And that's jet Bush. 
So we saw Jed Bush on the defensive line. Then we saw him, you know, as an edge rusher. Then we saw him move to linebacker last season. Um, and now they, they really like Jet Bush uh, at that buck end position. So let's see if the old man, Jed Bush, can stave off the young guns coming for him. Um, but this is going to be a really uh, – uh, another crowded position battle. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what justice Finkley and Jamon tap bring to the table. I think that the two of them are really talented. I think justice Finkley has maybe the higher ceiling of the two. I'm not sure we haven't really seen much of them yet. Um, but what we have seen, I feel like, uh, they're, they're really talented, um, guys, they could definitely, you know, push Jet Bush if Jet Bush is kind of starting off the spring, um, you know, in that role since he has more experience. But is Jet Bush still a walk on, by the way? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm curious about that. I think that. he might be. Yeah. So um, which I mean, that's not a bad thing. I mean, goodness, that shows he's willing to put in the work and do so when he's not even getting the perks of a scholarship. But yeah, I really like Justice Finkley. I think I'm really intrigued to see his development from year one to year two, Jamon Tap as well. And I, I'm going to apologize if you see me like rub my nose or something. I'm not getting emotional about spring football. It's just allergies right now, spring allergies. Uh, <laughs> what's new, right, in Austin? So I apologize if I sound sniffly or anything. But yeah, Justice Finkley, Jamon Tap. Um, Ethan Burke, you know, is another one. I feel like he, he was coming on more and more from what we had heard at the, um, as the season wore on last year. So a, a very crowded room, but a lot of, uh, potential for sure. Yeah. Well, we mentioned a former walk-on in, well, we mentioned walk-on in Jet Bush. Um, but the boundary safety position, uh, where you have, um, you know, Michael Taff, the former walk-on, the Arch Manning official visit host, the Arch Whisperer. Um, and he's competing at that boundary safety position. Um, you've got uh, Larry Turner, Gooden, BJ Allen. You do not have Derek Williams yet. The, um, the, oh gosh, I always forget the nickname that they've given Raptor, the Raptor. The Raptor. Um, coming out of uh, Louisiana, he'll be here in June. And Jelani McDonald, um, also another guy with just um, Gary Patterson mentioned to me that Jelani McDonald's dad played for Gary. Um, and so, you know, this, there's so much talent at that safety position. But the question is experience and command and vocal leadership because you're the quarterback of the secondary one of them along with the the field safety position which we expect jaron thompson will handle but um if jalen catalan is healthy and what we and everything we've heard is he is then it's probably his mm -hmm. uh, and michael taff is also a guy i'm hearing could work at the star nickel position um behind jade baron so uh this uh you know, this is less dramatic than some of the other position battles, especially if Jalen Catalan is, is, you know, back to his old self, the former uh, SEC freshman of the year uh, at Arkansas. But uh, it's an important position because Anthony Cook was a, 
was a big time playmaker at that position and a guy who made some, uh, you know, big plays at big moments, not just, you know, just, I mean, like fourth down stops and forced fumbles late in the game in a one possession game. And um, they need that same kind of playmaking production from that position. Yeah. And Jaron Thompson was a guy that um, late last season, when we were talking to some of the, the, veteran guys like, um, you know, Moro Ojimo, Keandre Coburn, DeMarvian Overshine about who could be the, you know, leader, the vocal leader on the defense. And um, a lot of them pointed to Jaron Thompson being a guy that could fill that role. So that's something, um, you know, Anthony Cook, it's hard to replace that experience. He was never really the most vocal guy. So I would imagine, you know, if Jaron Thompson can continue to be that and that his voice is heard. It's not just, you know, yelling. It's like you, you have to earn the ability to become a vocal leader. You don't just say it and it happens, you know? And so um, it sounds like he was progressing that way, at least at the end of last season, who steps up alongside of him, you know, maybe won't need to be as vocal of a leader if Jaron Thompson is that guy this year. But um, yeah, I think Jalen Catalan is the one that everybody's trying to watch. And, you know, he, he is the talent chip where, if he has a healthy season, he may be a, a, you know, we've talked about this on the flagship, but a one and done type of guy at Texas, because that's how high his ceiling is. And, you know, being a, a you know, freshman, all American, uh, all SEC player, um, excuse me, I don't know if he was freshman, all American, but an all SEC player as a freshman at Arkansas. That's nothing to scoff at at all. I mean, look at everyone talks about how solid the SEC defenses are. And that's a guy that, you know, was uh, made a really big impact his first season, had injuries he's gone through um, since then. But I think one healthy year could be huge, not just for him, but also for the secondary when, um, you know, the staff is kind of looking for who's going to be the replacement of Anthony Cook, who had so much game experience. All right. Should we take a quick break and come back and uh, rank our top three positions on the uh, team going into spring? Yep, that sounds great. We will be right back after a very quick break with our final thoughts in our spring football preview. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Chip, top three. Top three positions for the Texas Longhorns going into the spring. I'm going to start with the defensive line. Um, I think when you talk about the the talent that Texas has at the the tackle position, which is, I've said this a million times, the 
the second most important position to recruit behind quarterback. It's just hard to find those, those big guys who can move, who can disrupt not only the running game, but the passing game, the, the nose tackle, the three technique. And Texas has them. They have them. Um, Tavondre Sweat, I've heard great things about. Byron Murphy, Vernon Broughton, and we're waiting for the breakout year, not just the breakout game, breakout year of Alfred Collins. Um, and then you, you know, you add in early enrollee freshman Sidir Mitchell, who's who's going to be expected to follow in the line of Keandre Coburn to Andre Sweat. He's a 330 pound guy. Um, he's on campus. We're going to get to look at him this this spring, and that's exciting. And then, you know, when you look at the end positions, you've got Baron Sorrell, uh, but you do have all the all the players we mentioned also competing for that buck end position. If, if they don't win that position, you know, one of them is probably going to end up as the backup uh, to Baron Sorrell at the, at the Jack end. And it just adds up to um, a rock solid uh, position group in my mind, Taylor. Yeah. And, and it's interesting to say that too, because that the defensive line lost to, um, veteran players in Keandre Coburn and Moro Jamo uh, to the NFL draft there. And usually when you lose those, you know, that type of experience and especially two of them, you know, on the defensive line that could make a lot of, a lot of schools probably have a question mark at that position, but that's not the case, you know, for Texas and the defensive line here with, you know, Vernon Broughton, Aaron Bryant, you know, Zach Swanson, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Jure Bledsoe. We are waiting for Alfred Collins to the the light bulb to click for more than just one game. You know, Chris Ross. I mean, there's so much talent on, and that's before you even really get to the edge positions. You know, we've already talked about them, but those are some of the guys that are in a place to kind of take over for Keandre Coburn, for Moro Ojimo. Um, you know, I think Tavondre Sweat's probably one that you're going to watch probably emerge into the main guy there, but um, there's this is a loaded defensive line group, and that's huge. It's so big because games are won and lost in the trenches. The big bodies, the big humans that Steve Sarkeesian always talks about, you know, they need it on both sides of the ball, um, on both lines of scrimmage, and their their roster is starting to look that way, that they have the bodies and the capability to make, you know, probably both lines of scrimmage actually um, a strength for Texas in Steve Sarkeesian's third year here. What would you say is the second strongest position group? I would probably say, I would say wide receiver. Um, I honestly, I would say defensive lines like 1A, wide receiver is probably 1B, or they could even flip flop. But I do, I think wide receiver is, um, you know, a position that could have been a big question mark. And, and it's hard to say it just because, you know, last year it started shaping up this way. And then Isaiah Nayer went down with that injury. And then the, it became a little bit of a liability for Texas, but I don't see that this year with this this uh, this group at wide receiver. You know, the addition of Ad Mitchell from Georgia was really crucial. Um, you know, Isaiah Nayer continuing to progress from that ACL injury. As Chip said earlier, we have not gotten a um, injury update yet. We will talk to Steve Sarkeesian after practice on Monday, 
Um, but, you know, I think the, the emergence of the receiver room, the talent at that, I think it also is going to take a lot of pressure off Xavier Worthy from being the only kind of deep ball threat that um, that Texas basically had last season, you know, and he's, you know, that I think he struggles a little bit. Um, he loses the ball, I think, a little bit when he's uh, in coverage down the field. So I think maybe maybe the emergence of the guys around him will take some of the pressure off and then he may have the type of season like he did his true freshman year. We'll see. But I think that this is a really talented group. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at um, we haven't seen John Tay Cook, but everything I'm hearing is the the kid's route running is ahead of its years. He's, he's got the speed. We know he's a 10 flat 100 guy. And, um, you know, he's a guy who could could make an impact immediately. Um, he's he's more, you know, he's like a Xavier Worthy. And and if Worthy is uh, if this is his last year, then it'll be John Tate Cooks to to take over that role, um, you know, in 24. But could he push in 23? Uh, again, we have to see how special he is. He's the top receiver in the country in the 2023 recruiting class. And uh, and then that size on the outside for sure. And the playmaking experience of A.D. Mitchell having scored, you know, important touchdowns in college football playoff games, the, the go ahead winning touchdown against Ohio state in the semifinals this year. Um, he scored a receiving touchdown in all four college football playoff games he's played in. Um, he's won Nash two national championships. If not for a daughter in the state of Texas, he probably wouldn't be a longhorn right now, but um, that's exciting. I mean, this is a, this is a talented guy with a huge wingspan and um, and then Isaiah Nair, we know uh, as soon as he can get back on the field in full capacity, this guy's super hungry was, was just the talk of fall camp last year. I agree with you. His, you know, going down to injury last year really um, allowed defenses to key on worthy and, and, um, and limited this offense. And I've said that Steve Sarkeesian feels like he's getting closer to having the kind of versatility and multiple threats at receiver uh, to where this offense should run the way he wants it to run. Now I know a lot of people, um, you know, felt like, and me included felt like the offense was what held this team back last year. Uh, not, not producing against a TCU defense that other teams scored on, um, you know, second and goal or sorry, first and goal from the two first and goal from the five against TCU, uh, no touches for Bijan Robinson, no points in those situations. So, um, that's, you know, that you can't have that. And, and if this receiving core is helping to, to make the offense, what Sarkeesian needs it, then yeah, I think it is the second, um, strongest position on the team. Yeah. And DeAndre Moore, I'm curious to see what DeAndre Moore um, can bring. You know, he was as a high school prospect um, out of California, 24-7 sports national recruiting analyst. Greg Biggins covered him extensively, um, you know, thought he was a very high major prospect at both receiver and safety. Um, but he was a guy that in his scouting analysis um, for 24-7, Greg Biggins said that he is excellent in jump ball situations. 
He's a great route runner, has strong hands um, and really good body control at the receiver position. So he's going to be someone I'm also intrigued to watch. I feel like, you know, Jonte Cook obviously being kind of the headliner of the 2023 signees with him being a five-star prospect, but DeAndre Moore, top 24-7 prospect, he's a guy that I'm very intrigued to see too. Yeah, and think about this. I mean, Savion Red was a guy who got on the field, not not a whole lot, but got on the field uh, towards the end of last year, and he moved to running back. Mm -hmm. um, that tells you how crowded that receiver room just got. And uh, and by the way, I'm here in Savion Red has a the body type and b the nastiness uh, to play that running back position. So. Um, Again, that'll be that'll be fun to watch. All right, Taylor, um, third strongest position on the team. Can't believe that we're going to say this because I don't think I've ever said this going into a football season covering Texas. It's got to be the offensive line, you know, with the the return of everybody, all of the starters on the offensive line. I mean, you know, this offensive line, the young talent that Texas has at the position it, as a whole, you know, across the board. It's so good that a guy like Junior Angelau, who was go, you know, the leader going into last season, he gets injured, he gets replaced by a freshman, you know, and he ends up transferring. That that should show you how good this offense, the young talent that Texas has at offensive line is, and how the coaches feel about it. And I think, you know, as you said, the offense last season, I think, you know, had definitely held Texas back, especially in a number of games. Um, and I would say that the offensive line was pretty good, but it was young. And so if that group takes that next step, it's going to help Quinn Ewers. It's going to help the passing game. It's going to help the running game. And I think that this group is actually poised to take that next step. And I can't believe I'm – I literally don't think I've ever said the offensive line is a top position group for Texas entering any part of football, like whether it's spring, summer, fall camp, season, whatever it is. I don't think that's ever happened. But Kyle Flood has done a – fantastic job of not only, you know, uh, recruiting there, but really developing these guys. And so I think I would say that's number three, Chip. Yeah. I mean, Calvin Banks makes it a lot easier to say this. Yeah. Uh, when your left tackle is an all-conference type player as a true freshman and every coach in the league is saying, well, he's only going to be there three years. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that certainly helps. But Hayden Connor, um, Jake Majors, Cole Hudson, who's out for the spring after having shoulder surgery, but that opens the door for DJ Campbell. Um, and I'm told DJ Campbell's fine. And, and then, you know, you've got Christian Jones who should be getting pushed by Cam Williams and Connor Robertson had wrist surgery. He's going to be back for part of the spring. Uh, he's your backup center. He gives you a little more size at the center position. Um, and then, you know, you, you're, you're bringing in um, four early enrollee freshmen who are massive. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, look at my man, uh, my man, Connor Stroh, six, seven, three fifty five. <laughs> I mean, he and uh, Cam Williams, who's six, seven, three seventy four. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's impressive. And, and so they're, they're finally getting that position, right? Remember, this is the position that Steve Sarkeesian brought up to Chris Del Conte when he took the job and said, what is going on with your roster? 
you have 18 receivers and only 12 offensive linemen. That should be flipped. Uh, and last year at this time, they didn't even they didn't even have 10 scholarship offensive linemen to go yeah. through spring. They couldn't um, even do a real spring game because they didn't have two that's lines. Right. <laughs> that's right. They were using walk-ons. So my how things have changed in a year. No, yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. Huge credit to Kyle Flood, too, because, I mean, when we talked to him at the Alamo Bowl, he, I had asked him if he had ever been in a position to have two true freshmen starting on the offensive line. And he was like, I can't think of a time that I had one true freshman start every game of a season on the offensive line. But both Cole Hudson and Kelvin Banks were really good, too. It wasn't like they didn't earn their spot. They earned their spot. And, um, you know, another one year of experience, another year for guys like Cam Williams to get used to the college game. He was a guy that Kyle Flood talked a lot about at the Alamo Bowl as somebody who's taken or, you know, made a lot of progress that fans and the public don't necessarily see because, you know, he didn't get a ton of playing time, but he was a guy, he kept bringing that up that, you know, you guys don't see it, but Cam Williams is somebody who's really coming on and um, has a, the chance to be really special. And so that's a guy definitely to watch, uh, especially with um, uh, Cole Hudson, you know, being out this spring. Everything's trending in the right direction for Steve Sarkeesian, this coaching staff, this football team. Now the real work begins. Um, kudos to the Texas men's basketball team for their win over Kansas on senior day. A, an incredible performance from Serge Jabari Rice, Tyrese Hunter, and that whole team. Um, 17 and one at home this season. The Texas women win the Big 12 regular season championship with a win at Kansas State, despite all their injuries this season. From Rory Harmon at the beginning of the year, Taylor Jones in the middle of the year, Sonia Morris toward the end of the year, um, Jacalenga Muenentanda toward the end of the year, uh, but Vic Schaefer, the, the madman, the mad scientist. <laughs> gets it done. We'll talk more about that uh, on the flagship podcast a little bit later this week as we head off to the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. Uh, but for Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Thanks so much for listening to our spring football preview here on the flagship podcast. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.